had my eye on you a long time, Doctor. I consider you one of my most valuable long-term investments. And when it comes to my investments, I always do my homework. doing your investments, right? Every single time. What movie is that from? Anybody know? Frankenstein, is it not? I don't know. I believe so. Anyway, uh, talking about doing our homework, is the market overpriced? Is it overvalued? Uh, let's let's right. just go through it. I mean, right. this is, these are the things that we look at every day, research. Uh, this is an all-research show. With us. So, uh, seems like a pretty common question lately, uh, I think it's driven by the fact that we have seen such an increase in the market in a short period of time. Uh, is the market in a bubble? Oh, goodness. Yeah. Is the market in a bubble? How do we react if it is? I mean, all these questions come up uh, because you have the market that has increased. We had a pretty significant increase last year, almost 12%. We're up again 99 and it's only June in uh, 2017. Um, people are getting a little bit skittish, and is there a reason for that? Uh, we prefer instead of just looking at how much the market has a has appreciated. We also look at earnings. Earnings uh, in the first quarter were up uh, mid 15%, right? Mm-hmm. 15, 3, 15, 5, something like that. Same uh, implied growth. Right. Yeah. For the for the coming year. Right. Uh, so we know the market is forward looking. Um, if, uh, if we go out and, and look at the fundamentals is what we prefer to do instead of just where the market and how much appreciation has been. What do the underlying earnings say? Uh, investors love cash flows. How much cash uh, is being generated by the companies that you're invested in. Those are the things that you have to look at. And and right now we actually are seeing earnings growth, which over the past few years prior prior to this is something that's been lacking. Absolutely. Despite the fact that the market right. continued to move higher. At least you have earnings growth supporting and to some extent. Growth. Yeah, valuations. I, I know, yeah, I know early in this recovery we saw for a long period of time uh, companies just got more and more lean. You were seeing uh, minimal, if any, uh, revenue growth. Revenue growth. So sales were were not budging much, and companies just got more lean, more profitable. There was more making it to the bottom line. Right. Uh, so earnings grew, but um, revenues didn't. We have seen a, a significant change in that lately. Um, if I look at the market today relative to 2007's market top, the, the previous top in the market before our Recession in 2008 and 9, uh, we're 56% above where we were in 2007. If I look at that on the uh, on the basis on of what measure is that? Uh, just price appreciation okay. relative to the market. Now that's from top to top. Now, I'm not right. talking about the appreciation from the bottom, right. which is significantly more. What we're like 200 and yeah, uh, it depends on where you measure from, but about 280, 290 percent from the bottom. Now that's probably where most people are looking at their their assets and saying, "Wow, we've had this 300 percent, almost 300 percent run uh, in the market. What's going on with that?" But if you look at it from the previous top, which we called the housing bubble, right? Uh, 4.72% annualized return. 
that's after a significant decline, over 50% the mm-hmm. market fell from that top uh, to, to where we are now. Uh, guys, we're not going to be able to cover this whole thing. It's going to be a long discussion, I believe, about uh, the market, where we are. Let's uh, take a quick break here, and we'll come back and uh, finish answering this question. Uh, so, guys, we were talking about it. Uh, we're up 56% since 2007. Uh, if you go back even to 2002, uh, the tech bubble, so two previous bubbles that we all know and, and uh, uh, widely talked about in the market, we're only up 59.7% from the tech bubble, which was 2000. Um, right. So, and, and think, you, you talk about tech bubble and the word bubble as a whole. I know we've yeah. had this discussion before. Is wh- Where is the bubble right now if there is right, a bubble? Right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. See, I, I think asking if the market is overvalued or if risk is, is perhaps higher here than it has been in previous years is a different question than is is the market and a in more a fair a bubble. more fair question. Right. right, right. Because when you're talking bubble, I think of leverage. I think of speculating, borrowing money to buy something that you right. think is going to appreciate. And I've looked at you know. Uh, Basically, margin trading, you know, it's, sure, it's, not, severe. Borrow, it's not severe. It's not severe. And if you're talking about the tech bubble, it. it, it you had companies you, you had there companies. that literally had zero earnings, Troy, you pointed out, no revenues. Right. Yet they're trading at sky high valuations. Yep. You have valuations that are elevated in the market, especially in particular names. But it, I don't, that's not at all the case that we're going through right now. Right. right. Uh, it, it, I still would struggle to say if we have a, a bubble where it is, I, and I don't think that there's anybody out there pounding the table. Obviously, technology has, has taken off this year. It's up uh, leading the market. That's where you have uh, earnings growth, though. Exactly. Right. Seven of the top ten S&P 500 companies uh, returning uh, the, the weighted average return are all in technology. Number one, Apple. It's a big weight in the, in the uh, index. But it's also a, a very sizable return. Mm-hmm. So, so drilling drilling down uh, to answer the other question that I was kind of asking as far as valuations and overall risk. Um, if you do look at valuations, a lot of it is built on expectations. Sure. So, if if we do hit a, our forward earnings targets, we're talking about a 17 multiple, which is not that elevated from the historic multiples, probably right. around 16. 16 and a half. Yeah, um, but if you look on a trailing basis, there are some there are some metrics that are elevated. So um, we actually have hit, believe it or not, we have hit a level on the price to EBITDA, which is going to take earn, its operating earnings. Right. That's before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. Right. We have... Uh, approach a level that it, that goes back to that 2000 peak. So there's some areas and some of that may be the fact that companies are paying less in interest. So the right. margins are improved right. when yeah. you're talking actual profit margins, because if you look on a PE basis, it's nowhere near there. But we can see certain levels where well, we are, you know, uh, if you take a hybrid approach, probably about 20 percent overvalue from historic levels here. And the way the market is pricing risk right now, um, we had the VIX under 10, which is basically the fear index. Right, yeah, the, the volatility index. Right. And right. volatility means risk in our industry, right? So, and uh, I think there's only been, you know, uh, a dozen or so times where the VIX has been under 10. Um, and we've had probably like five or six occurrences of that in 
in recent history, you know, right, in yeah. the past few weeks. Yeah, volatility so, has been very, very light for a long, long time. Uh, there's, uh, I, you know, I've talked about it on the radio show before. Um, what might cause that? It could be algorithmic trading. Uh, could be right. the fact that we're moving to a lot of investors, especially young investors, are more passive these days. So they're not, uh, you know, they're, they're just investing in the market. What happens when that goes on? Uh, you've got three major companies that provide those, uh, those passive index uh, type investments. They own, on average, about uh, almost 20% of the overall S&P 500, almost every individual stock. And are they going to sell because they think conditions are changed? Right. Absolutely not. They're passive investors. I think this that's means the key. that they hold no matter what. I uh, think that's the key. It's the the market's not just going to correct itself. We need some sort of economic catalyst. So uh, if if you kind of walk through it, if we we look at the steepness of the curve, we haven't inverted yet. If you look at credit spreads, they're nice and tight. Yep. You, you got unemployment at the lows. Um, commodities have rebounded. Consumer comfort, you know, which is uh, near both current cycle and highs. forward looking. Right. So until we see that change, there's no real catalyst. I think part of it, part of the approach needs to be to look at your risk appetite. Right. Make sure that's fit. Your plan makes sense for you, because if you're asking the question, are we in a bubble? Well, it makes you can you time the market is is the question I would ask. And and I would say most often, no. Right. So otherwise, let's look at your risk and see maybe we can get some other assets in your portfolio that are less correlated. Maybe we can get you know into some more yield, perhaps fixing well, these sorts yeah, of. Yeah, maybe things. it's time to re- reconsider exactly what your risk appetite rebalance is. Rebalance your portfolio too. That, be a great that's time to probably the your best. Portfolio. If, if your strategy does fit you, absolutely rebalance, which is going to do what? It's going to reduce your uh, exposure to technology, which has outperformed the rest of the market, right. which uh, does tend to be more volatile than you know than other stocks. Add um, your exposure in those sectors, or, yeah, you or might even classes find that are lagging the market. You might even find yourself, if you if it's part of your portfolio, selling some of the dividend-paying stocks. I think that True. would probably be a harder True. decision for me at this point. But, uh, Jacob, I did want to touch on, on one thing that you had mentioned. You said uh, uh, certain metrics make the market look about 20% overpriced. And I've talked about that recently, too, especially when it comes to the price-to-earnings ratio. Um, but if you sit and do the math, so something's got to move in order to, to move it in line, right, uh, the, the price or the earnings. Right. Uh, if you look – even uh, even though because there is a multiple effect um, in that in that ratio, earnings actually would only have to rise about fifteen point three percent in order to get you right. back in line with the average overall. So um, we're not talking about something that's outlandish. What did we say earlier in the show? First quarter earnings for the S and P five hundred fifteen point five percent relative to last year. I do I I would like to temper that a little bit though because when you are investing and not trading you're not just paying for next year's earnings. Right. Um so if you look Long-term. at you know a decade's worth of earnings talking about the cyclically adjusted price to earnings ratio that is elevated and in one concern uh, one concern I do have is how much the market is pricing in. Uh, regulatory reform, tax reform, exactly. infrastructure. There is well, I think a lot of that's driven this year's gains. You know, how effective that's going to be. It, sure. It's very much the Trump effect. You know, people investing on the expectations on, on on the platform that Trump ran on. But really, this far, nothing has happened. Nothing's nope. come to fruition. Right. 
I, I saw a story this week that was talking a little more pointedly at that, and uh, the point that it was making actually is uh, we see Trump under fire. We see the Comey testimony last week, uh, and, and they were making the case that maybe it's it's the uh, regulatory hope and uh, expectation for change that's coming off the market a little bit. But still, we're positive it's, it's, on the week, right? right? Even this morning, right. you have, you know, the news of another investigation into Trump. But what's interesting to me is you talked about the VIX earlier. The days where you see the biggest spikes in the VIX lately are all politically driven. Yeah. It's not yeah. these huge economic events or data points that come out that disappoint. It's it's totally driven on what's the next big political headline right. at, as, it, as it pertains to Donald Trump. Yeah. One thing. One one other thing, and and just kind of gathering all the, all these ideas together. One one other thing is, I uh, that I want to hit on is the fact that I really do think the U.S. economy is best positioned. So if we're talking about uh, U.S. markets, there's probably a reason there's a premium there. Um, but the economy has gone global, and you look to uh, emerging markets, especially China. Where they are, where they're basically growing credit at three times the rate that they're growing productivity, right. where they have a yield curve that has just recently inverted. They're kind of trying to manage reining in some of that credit expansion without basically seizing up their economy. So if we're talking about risk just here in the United States, they're probably not as sizable as some of the other risks elsewhere when you're talking about Brexit, when you're talking about China. So it's just something to keep in mind in, in a broader context. Right. And one thing that I do want to point out, uh, Jacob, you mentioned it earlier, you know, it's nearly impossible to time the market. Uh, there is never going to be a time when somebody calls and asks me, so is it time to go to cash, that I'm going to answer, oh, yeah, this is exactly right. the way you do. Sure. Uh, one of the other things you could do, uh, we talk about the 10-year rule. If you've got spending needs that have been identified within the next 10 years, why wouldn't you just buy a bond to cover that spending right. need? Don't I mean, take, don't take there's, the market. there's plenty market of ways risk. that you can react, and never will we tell you that uh, you should sell all and go to cash. It's risky. We left off talking about should I go to cash um, absolutely not. Uh, we're, we're never going to tell you to sit on the sidelines and cash. There's a lot of statistics out there about missing some of the, the top 10 days. The, uh, missing the bottom 10 days obviously is going to make you uh, make your performance significantly better. Sure. But quite often those those top uh, 10 days come shortly after those bottom 10 days. Uh, so you, it, basically what it is is a lot of volatility. Who wouldn't want to avoid the volatility? I think all of us. But when you look over a long period of time, back to and beyond the Great Depression, actually, which was uh, a horrible time in the market, um, you can see that long-term returns, 10-year rolling average return, 10.4%, uh, just a couple of 10-year t- uh, periods where we did have an overall negative return in the market. So uh, we're always going to encourage you to uh, limit your risk by s- having a financial plan, making sure that your financial uh, plan is married to uh, a strategy to uh, avoid market volatility when, when you have less than 10 years in the market, and um, and then you know invest in equities because – it's it's one of the few ways that you can beat inflation over a long period of time. And the, and the tough part is we talk about this all the time when we, when we talk about going to cash or market timing. You don't have to be right once. You have to be right twice. Absolutely. You have to know when to get out and then know the right point to get back in without missing right. 
X amount of upside as the market starts to rally. So, you know, some of the numbers we'll talk about. Since 1926 through 2016, uh, if you invested $1 in the market, you'd have $6,035. Wow. Now, if you'd missed the best 45 months, that's a big period, obviously. We'll narrow it down a little bit from there. You'd only have $22.76. So from how many 6, people? 6000 and change? Wow. That's right. I mean, but that's 45 months. Yeah. So, I mean, how many people are going to stay out of the market for that long? I say that, but then you think back. To yeah. to the recession, a lot of people, you know, bailed right. sold. at the bottom. Exactly. Yeah, and they then, were selling in December. And then stayed in cash and missed, you know, how much upside. Right. So look, let's look at more recent times, 1997 to 2016. If you invested $1, you'd have $4.39. If you missed the best 13 months, you'd only have $1.49. And then if you look 97 to 2016, again, let's look a little more granular. If you missed... Just the 10 best days, your return would be 4% as opposed to 7.7 had you in, stayed invested That's for the duration. That's an annualized return? That's correct. 4, wow. 4% uh, versus 7.7 just by missing 10 days. Yeah, yeah, that, that would hurt. Uh, wow. Jacob, you made a comment earlier about uh, no catalyst for a significant downturn, and I agree with that. We look at the fundamentals. The market does look a little expensive, but it's been expensive before. Uh, You know, other things you might want to do is stretch out your uh, dollar cost averaging if you were trying to get in the market. Continue doing it just maybe over a longer period of time so that – so that you can have time if, in fact, this happens. We don't know if it gets more expensive from here or less. But, you know, over time, you would assume that there's going to be a little volatility kick in here or there. Uh, but one of the other questions that I've gotten, and it seems strange that you would have, is the market at a top or in a bubble from, from one group? And then, you know, you, you have questions of performance. We invest in a, in a high-quality portfolio. Uh, what does that mean? Well, it means that... Uh, uh, you know, your your debts are going to be minimal or easily uh, serviced, meaning that your earnings should be easily sufficient to cover uh, the, the interest and any principal that's owed on the debts. Um, and then the other piece is uh, earnings predictability. So, you know, your company shouldn't fall apart uh, when, when the business cycle goes against them. So uh, what tends to happen there, if you invest in that manner, that's your starting point, which it is in our case, um, in, in a protracted positive trend, you tend to drag. You're going you're gonna to lag the market a little bit. Think about it in, the, in terms of beta. Uh, we talk about beta a lot in the financial industry. Uh, if you have a beta of 0.9 on a daily basis, if you assume that the market was up 1%, your portfolio should be expected to be up about 0.9%. You're lagging the market just in a single day. However, when you have those periods of volatility, you also lag the market. When the market's going down, you don't want to go down as quickly. And and uh, we do seem to uh, be set um, all the time on a on a conservative investment uh, right. stance. So you know we know that these these periods have not gone away. There's not a catalyst in our site at the moment that we could easily identify in the United States, a domestic uh, situation, the economy. Uh, the markets don't look uh, set to go down over a year-and-a-half period, of a recession-type uh, decline. So, um, I think, I, you I, know, I think when that, that happens, though, is, is when you see those portfolios that are more conservative actually rise to the top. It, it, it's clear at that point why your long-term strategy has, has been implemented in that way. So uh, is it time now then 
to uh, get more risky? Do we need to throw away our no? Our I don't think so. Spend? If ever there were a time so. to not get more risky, I think it's when you do see market at elevated levels like right. we're at right now. Exactly that fundamental piece when you can see the valuation and it looks to be above the longer term historical average is when you definitely don't want to go changing things uh, if you are a conservative investor because you know even a, a short term decline. Uh, 10% in a month, which is not uncommon in the financial markets, uh, in the equities markets, should I say. Um, that, too, will add to uh, the benefits of your, your conservative stance. Um, but anyway, guys, I, I want to make sure that we touch that one, too, before we got away from the subject. Do you all have anything more to add? Uh, well, yeah, no, I'd, I'd like to reinforce a little bit of what you were talking about with quality because I, I think we, we added an additional element on that that kind of plays into what you're talking about and that I, I think we really think about economic moats and, and that right. if you're talking about a company that doesn't really have uh, the same amount of competitive threats as uh, other companies and in other industries, right. so to speak – Maybe they're they're not able to gain market share at the same pace or grow at the same pace. But then, when <laughs> the times get tough, they have that strong quality cash sure. flow stream that's right. not going to be threatened. Their earnings continue. Their revenues might decline a little bit, but they continue to earn money even right. in a in a bad time. It's uh and that's not to say I mean there's cyclical industries that we participate in. Industrials are always cyclical. Consumer discretionary. Uh, when times get bad. People True. put their Cut wallet back, away. Yeah. They don't, you know, they don't spend as much. So uh, you do see revenues fall uh, in those industries, uh, in those sectors. Uh, we're exposed to that, but we try to do the same. We take thing. that approach in each sector. Exactly right. It's going to be the highest quality that we can find within that specific sector. And sometimes we uh, we use an allocation strategy, meaning that we have less exposure than the market does uh, to some of those more cyclical. Uh, Areas. Um, right. I know for long periods of time, we really like the consumer's uh, staples sector, which means you know these are these are paper products, things that you're that you're not going to uh, refuse to buy even if times are bad. Right. You know, toothpastes and uh, personal care items, any of those, um, you would continue buying them. And, and we tend to be a little heavier weighted in, in those type sectors, too. So um, even utilities these days, which we have avoided in, in times past because of the fact that they really don't grow much faster than right. um, than the uh, the overall economy. But dividend, it's, uh, sure. it's, it's really been an attractive space lately. Uh, guys... You got anything else to add before I start asking my final question? Is the market up or down? I think the market's going higher next week. Higher next week. Why is this? Any catalyst you want to add to that? I think uh, if you, after today's pullback, this is Wednesday when we're talking, or Thursday when we're talking about this, uh, um, but with the headline driven sell-off, I think, of the Trump investigation. I think once that passes, we move back higher. Yeah, we haven't seen a whole lot of teeth in those, those investigations, no. actionable items yet. Jacob. Market up or down? Yeah, I think we continue to see a little rotation here. Brett's going to improve. Maybe some of the losers of the past few months are going to be winners. All right. Morgan, anything up or down? Just a word. Come on. Up. All right, up. He's with me. (laughs) I'm always up. Listen to Money Talks. Take care. We'll see you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. 
The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.